You give Teller from Jerusalem 20 minutes, and he'll give you the education of a lifetime. King of the storytellers and the Shakespeare of the Torah world, here is Rabbi Hanok Teller. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Teller from Jerusalem. We're still one episode away before we revert to a character episode. Behind the microphone is your host, Hanoch Teller. In 1948, the British Empire was crumbling, and after a 30-year mandate, the British were being forced out of Israel by the Yishuv, the Jewish settlement in the land of Israel, and it was humiliating to Britain. The last act of the British military administrator, before departing on the boat in Haifa, back to Britain, was to urinate on the ground. As the British were departing, the Jewish Agency's administration gathered in a packed Tel Aviv museum what would become the Hall of Independence on May 14. Due to fears of an Arab bombing, word of the ceremony was disseminated as late as possible. Formal invitations went out the day before, but word leaked. And outside the museum, a crowd of hundreds gathered. There wasn't even enough room inside for all those invited and some were stranded outside while the Palestinian Philharmonic Orchestra that was invited to play the national anthem had to be moved to the floor above the main hall. Everything was prepared in great haste, but still, the meaning of the day was lost on no one. For the first time since the Romans, the Jews were finally sovereign in their homeland. By a slim margin of six to four, the administration of the Jewish agency voted to declare the Jewish state since Judea had fallen two millennia earlier. Some of the Jewish Agency administration felt, as did the American State Department and the CIA, that Israel would not be able to withstand the Arab attacks and it would be better to delay declaring independence. Ben-Gurion, who was always a superb assessor of timing, felt that if not then, the opportunity would never repeat itself for both the United States and the Soviet Union were in favor. The Declaration of Israeli Independence was made on May 14. Actually, making the Declaration was a bold act, as it meant that since the British were gone, the Arabs from Jordan, Syria, and Egypt, and other Arab armies would definitely invade, and the outcome was hardly clear. The smart money in the United States and in Britain were convinced that the Arabs would be victorious and would probably massacre the Jews, even though the Israeli army believed that the chances of victory were at best 50-50, there was a great cognizance of the consequence of losing, which would mean a massacre and the end of the possibility of independence. The United States was pushing a trusteeship of Palestine for an undetermined time to avoid a bloodbath. Ben-Gurion and the Zionist leadership believed, Achshav, Olo Olam Lo, it is now or never. The unusual constellation of the United States, the Soviet Union, and other states supporting could never be hoped to occur again. Hence, the decision was made to make the declaration. The declaration stressed that, A, this will be Davka, specifically a Jewish state, fulfilling Jewish values expressed by the prophets in the Bible, not a natural state for all people. It will be a Jewish national state, and unequivocally, B, it will be a democracy a democracy of equality with equal and civil rights to the Arabs of Israel. C. It established that Israel was open to all Jews, totally dismissing the white paper, and in the midst of war declared its desire to live in peace 
with its neighbors. D. The state and citizenship were open to all residents regardless of faith, religion, or sex. Two women were signatories on the Declaration, and the rights of women in Israel were far more advanced than anywhere else in the world at that time. E. What wasn't clarified in the Declaration is what the borders would be. Ben-Gurion and his associates understood that in war, all kinds of things occur. Hence, the borders of that, of that allocated by the United Nations were not delineated. Hence, if Israel's neighbors were to live in peace with her, and there was no indication of this ha occurring, then gladly those borders would be sufficient. But if they do not, uh, yeah, 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 and the Arabs attack, and you are vulnerable because of your borders, then the exigencies of war will mandate that you expand your territory beyond the 55% that was awarded in the partition plan. By not delineating the borders in the declaration, Israel did not tie her hands in what her military limits would be. The animated Zionism series provides for us a nice, brief summary. On May 12th, David Ben-Gurion convened the People's Council. The atmosphere was grave. Moshe Sharet reported that the Americans are demanding a postponement of the declaration or else they would not help Israel against the United Arab invasion. Golda Meir reported that King Abdullah had retracted his original agreement and will join the attack. Military leaders expressed serious doubts about the ability of the small Jewish community to withstand five regular Arab armies equipped with European weaponry. But somehow, after 13 hours of deliberations, Ben-Gurion succeeds in swaying the balance against the American demand. And on Friday, May 14th, in the presence of local Jewish leaders, he declares the establishment of the State of Israel. The proclamation, which was inspired by the American Declaration of Independence, asserted the historical and moral rights of the Jewish people in its historic homeland and defined Israel as a Jewish democratic state based on equal rights, freedom, and justice. The declaration ended with a call on Jews to return home and extended a hand for peace towards the local Arab population and neighboring Arab countries. The Declaration was composed of a brilliant text and opens by describing the land of Israel as the birthplace of the Jewish people. And it was from Israel that the Jews contributed to the entire world, and how the people have always kept connected with the land through all the years of their dispersal. The Declaration went on to recount the historic stages starting with the First Zionist Congress in 1897, the Balfour Declaration of 1917, the League of Nations mandate, which gave, quote, international recognition to the historic connection between the Jewish people and the land of Israel and the right of the Jewish people to rebuild its national home. To quote some passages from the Declaration of Independence, here their spiritual, religious, and political identity was shaped. Here they created cultural values of national and universal significance and gave to the world the eternal book of books. They had kept faith with the land during all the years of dispersal and never ceased to pray and hope for the return to it, for the restoration in it of their political freedom. And the Declaration continues, Impelled by this historic and traditional attachment, Jews strove in every successive generation to reestablish themselves in their ancient homeland. In recent decades, they returned in their masses. Pioneers, Ma'apilim, Immigrants coming in defiance of restrictive legislation and, and defenders made deserts bloom, revived the Hebrew language, built villages and towns, and created a thriving community 
controlling its own economy and culture, loving peace but knowing how to defend itself, bringing the blessings of progress to all the country's inhabitants, aspiring towards independent nationhood. The catastrophe of which recently befell the Jewish people, the massacre of millions in Europe, was, the declaration stated, another clear demonstration of the urgency of solving its homelessness by reestablishing the land of Israel, the Jewish state, which would open the gates of the homeland wide to every Jew. Aside from all this legitimization, which was fine and appropriate and proper, and surely a far-sighted gift for posterity, the Israelis at the time were dying to know what would be the name of the state. Many names had been proposed, among them Zion, Ziona, Judea, Ivria, and Herzliya. Postage stamps printed in advance in anticipation of the declaration of statehood were marked Doar Ivri, Hebrew mail, since no one knew what the name of the country would be. And here we shift once again to the magisterial book of Ambassador Avner, who describes how he was part of a unit stationed on the western sector of Jerusalem, assigned to fend off any Arab attack from this direction. They had been there for days and were digging and had no idea if the state was being declared or not. Finally, on Friday, one member of the unit could take it no longer and went on behalf of the others into town to find out if they had a state or not. In the second most enchanting scene in the book, Ambassador Yuda Avner describes how Mahler, a violinist, and the group's scout returned and informed them that David Ben-Gurion declared independence that afternoon in Tel Aviv. The Jewish state will come into being at midnight. That was just minutes away, and everyone fell silent, realizing the enormity of what had just occurred. And here I take up the text of the book. There was a dead silence. Even the air seemed to be holding its breath. Midnight was but minutes away. Oh, my God! What have we done? cried one of the woman diggers, fitfully rubbing her chin with the tips of her fingers. What have we done? Oh, my God! What have we done? And you burst into tears. Whether in ecstasy or dismay, I will never know. And then the air exploded in joyful tears and laughter. Every breast filled with exultation as we pumped hands and embraced and were the national anthem at the top of our voices. Hey, Mahler, shouted Alicia, cutting through the hullabaloo. Our state. What's its name? The violinist stared back blankly. I don't know. I didn't think to ask. You don't know? Mahler shook his head. How about Yehuda, suggested someone. After all, King David's kingdom was called Yehuda, Judea. Zion, cried another. It's an obvious choice. Israel called a third. What's wrong with Israel? Let's drink to that, said Elisha, with delight, breaking open the bottle of wine and filling the tin mug to the brim. Alachaim to our new state, whatever its name. Having teased you by saying that this is the second most endearing story of the book, I will advance 25 years in history and cite the hands-down best one which I heard Ambassador Avner recount on two different occasions. As soon as Nixon resigned because of Watergate, neophyte President Ford begged Henry Kissinger to stay at the helm. Kissinger suggested that Prime Minister Rabin be invited to Washington for talks. Talks in the grand style, with an official banquet in Rabin's honor. And here I go to the book. Toasts followed a predictable script. Host and guest of honor lauded each other's enduring friendship, eternal alliance, and common values, after which, at an unseen signal, liveried butlers fanned out across the room, 
each bearing feasts of roasted pheasants, sizzling potatoes, and decorative garnished beans. Soon everybody was chomping on their succulent fare, except for me. This is Ambassador Avner speaking. I had pre-ordered a vegetarian kosher dish, which, for some reason, tarried. Passively because my name card had been misspelled. Instead of Yehuda, his name was Yehuda Avner, it was engraved Yeduha Avner. A couple of chairs away from the chairman of, was the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General George Brown, who was chatting with Barbara Walters, the famous television celebrity, who was sitting on my right. Within minutes, the general caught sight of my still-empty plate and, craning his neck to note my name card, boomed, Yeduha, not eating with us tonight? Whereupon, as if on cue, a butler stepped forward and placed before me a vegetarian extravaganza, consisting of a base of lettuce as thick as a Bible, on top of which sat a mound of diced fruit, on top of that a glob of cottage cheese, on top of that swish of whipped cream, so that the whole thingamajig must have stood about a foot high. In contrast to everyone's else deep brown roasted pheasant, it glittered and sparkled like a firework. Gasps of admiration greeted the fiesta of color, and Barbara Walters began to applaud. This detracted the attention of President Ford, who, half rising to see what was the commotion was all about, whispered something into Yitzhak Rabin's ear, who whispered something back into his. Then, rising to his full height and grinning from ear to ear, the president raised his glass high and called out to me with an overflow of well-being, Happy birthday, young fella. Let's sing a toast to our birthday boy. That the entire banqueting hall rose to its feet and Gambus aloft chorused a hearty. Happy birthday, dear Yeduha. And as they sang, I slouched sheepishly further into my chair, mortified. In the boredom after dinner, I asked Rabin, why on earth? He told the president it was my birthday. And he shot back, what else should I have told him? The truth? If I did that, tomorrow there'd be a headline in the newspaper that you ate kosher and I didn't. And the religious parties will bolt from the coalition. I'll have a government crisis on my hands. Anima Shuga? Am I crazy? And then with a sudden startled gaze, he said, Oh my God, look at that. What am I supposed to do now? Save me, somebody. Rabin was watching as a beaming President Ford swept Lay Rabin onto the brightly lit ballroom floor and waltzed her around to general applause, while expectant First Lady Barbara Ford flashed a smile at Rabin. Actually, I think her name was Betty Ford. Awaiting the invitation to follow suit, with nowhere to run, he grimly made his way toward Mrs. Ford as if he was walking the plank. He bowed awkwardly and croaked, Please forgive me. I can't do it. She asked, Can't do what? Can't dance. Can't dance? The woman seemed astounded, as if she had never heard of such a thing. Rabin said, not a step, and then blushed the Prime Minister, I'll be treading on your toes all the while. I've tried it before. I'm no good at it. Have no fear, Mr. Prime Minister, chortled a buoyant Mrs. Ford, taking him by the hand and leading him onto the ballroom floor. When I was younger, I used to teach dance, and I protected my toes from men far less skillful than you. Now, this is how you do it. Put your hand here. That's right. And your other hand here. Very good. And now relax. And let's go. One, two, three. One, two, three. One, two, three. Excellent. 
you're doing fine, getting the hang of it. And she toted the crimson-faced premier around and around. He stared fixedly at the first lady's toes, till Dr. Kissinger himself, no swinger, tapped him on the shoulder and said in deadly seriousness, Yitzchak, give up all your head. Let me take over. Mrs. Ford, may I have this dance? By all means, she said, letting go of Rabin, who tottered toward his chuckling staffers, muttering, If Henry Kissinger does nothing else for Israel but save me from this embarrassment, I shall forever be in his debt. Back to the Declaration of Independence. The document went on to declare the establishment of a Jewish state in the land of Israel to be known as the State of Israel. Remarkably, once the name was proclaimed, everyone realized instinctively that it could in fact have been no other name. The Declaration of Independence continued with an assurance that Israel would be open for Jewish immigration and for the ingathering of the exiles. It would foster the development of the country for the benefit of all inhabitants. We based upon freedom, justice, and peace, and envisaged by the prophets of Israel. It would ensure complete equality of social and political rights to all of its inhabitants, irrespective of religion, race, or sex, and would guarantee freedom of religion, conscience, language, education, and culture. Let's just remember how Israel welcomed refugees from the Ukraine, 90% of them not even Jewish. Busy and emotional day here at Ben Gurion, Israel's international airport, as three flights coming mainly from Warsaw, Poland, bringing hundreds of Ukrainian refugees landed. The last one landing a couple of hours into the late afternoon with so many new faces now being welcomed into Israel as a place of refuge. One of the flights brought in over 100 children from orphanages throughout Ukraine. The Israeli Premier Naftali Bennett as well as other ministers in his cabinet meeting not only the children but also other refugees that were arriving today. Here's a news item from Weon Dispatch, which is the news agency of South Asia, India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, Nepal and Sri Lanka. This report was filed before the war began, and Russia was just massing troops. Israel went to work to offer haven for Jews at risk. With tensions escalating in Ukraine over a possible Russian invasion, reports now say that the Israeli government is preparing to evacuate thousands of Ukrainian Jews who would want to emigrate to Israel. Representatives of various Israeli government offices, including the Prime Minister's office, the Foreign Minister, Defense Ministry, all met to discuss the situation. According to a report, some 75,000 people living in eastern Ukraine are now eligible for Israeli citizenship under the law of return. The 1950 law gives the Jews a right to relocate to Israel and acquire Israeli citizenship. Section 1 of the law states that every Jew has a right to come to Israel as an immigrant. Israel has for long had plans for mass evacuation of Jews from various countries should the need arise. It has updated plans for Ukraine due to the current situation. Many Ukrainians fled from the eastern side, fearing a Russia-backed military conflict. And according to Israel's Alia and Integration Ministry, more than 30,000 people moved to Israel from Ukraine between 2014 and 2018. Jerusalem is following all developments in the region closely. Israel's ambassador to Ukraine has called on Israeli citizens in the country to register with the embassy so that they can be contacted quickly in case of an emergency. This Indian news service found it so interesting how Israel was looking after Jews outside of the country that they sent a correspondent who filed this. 
I'm outside Israel's Central Immigration Absorption Center. Now, Israel is said to be preparing to evacuate up to 75,000 Ukrainian Jews if the Ukraine is invaded by Russia. As the world's only Jewish state, Israel is considered a haven for any Jewish people worldwide suffering persecution or danger. The Ukrainians would join the more than 2 million immigrants who Israel has brought out of Arab countries, Iran, Ethiopia and the former Soviet Union over the decades. And despite its tiny size, with Israel being half the size of New Delhi and immigration being a divisive subject in much of the world, the consensus in Israel is to welcome new immigrants. One signature on the Declaration of Independence appears further down than the others, and that is that the head of the Communist Party, Mayor Vilner. He felt the need to obtain permission to sign from the Soviet Union. When he got permission, he signed right away, leaving room for others to sign above his signature. We conclude by playing Israel's first Prime Minister David Ben-Gurion's Declaration of Independence with the background of the national anthem, Hatikva. Anu habrei mo etzetam, nitigei ha-yishuk ha-ibri ba-atnua ha-tionit. Biyom siyum ha-mandat ha-briti al-eres Israel. Utokev zhutenu ha-tivit ha-historit, al-yesod ha-hletat ha-tzeret ha-umot ha-muchadot. Anu machruzim ba-zot, al-hakamat medina yehudit bi-eres Israel. Thanks for listening to Teller from Jerusalem, where this series takes an intelligent and thought-provoking look at the past in order to acquire a perspective on the present. Spread knowledge by giving us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. Join us next time for a brand new episode and be sure to visit tellerfromjerusalem.com where you can find more details about the show and other useful information. Check out the site store and just by inserting the TFJ code, you receive an additional 10% discount off the already very reduced prices of all Hanoch Teller products, books, lectures, and documentaries. And remember, don't forget, you can get Teller from Jerusalem on any podcast platform or go to tellerfromjerusalem.com.